All you single-serving wine drinkers out there, Usual Wine is the wine for you, specifically because they uh, each of their bottles is 6.3 ounces. Right. Like, I literally did this last night. I, 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 have a, <laughs> I wasted a whole bottle of wine because I forgot to put the cork on. I don't have that problem with Usual Wines. And uh, zero grams of sugar as well. So get your Usual Wines. Go check out their website at www.usualwines.com and use my discount code VIALL for $8 off your first order and try your first glass on us. Usual has a red blend of rosé and sparkling white wines called Brut. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Vile Files. Uh, I'm your gracious host, Nick, uh, with us today. Uh, Chrissy, my producer. Hello. Amanda is in house. God only knows what Allie's up to. Allie is <laughs> becoming a star in the big city. Oh, that's right. Isn't she She's like, shooting a TV show. TV in New York. show in New York. She's a star. So we'll we, just stay here. We'll stay here. <laughs> We're just in this podunk town of Los Angeles. Al- Allie will be back. <laughs> How long has she gone for? I don't even pay attention. She's coming back on Sunday. <laughs> Just come back when you want. <laughs> um, we have a really great and hopefully inspiring episode for for all the listeners out there. The delightful, wonderful Sheila Kelly uh, is with us today uh, to talk about, well, first and foremost, her documentary that's available on Netflix, Netflix uh, Strip Down, Rise Up. We talk a lot about essentially what? Uh, sexuality. Sexuality. Uh, yeah. Obviously focused on, on women's sexuality, uh, but we get into a nice conversation. Erotic energy. Erotic energy. Autonomy. Uh, what does it mean to you know, know our erotic self, both men and women? Seems to be a big disconnect out there. You know, there's all these like uh, love languages and enneagrams and how you partner up astrology and, and yet- Human design. Human design. And we talk about kind of knowing who we are erotically. And how that's important to know. And I had a ton of fun talking with Sheila. It was one of those conversations where you feel like you could just talk three or four hours. But uh, it was still pretty long, but jam-packed with uh, delightfulness. <laughs> so I hope you guys it, it all it all enjoyed it. Um, don't forget, we have some fun merch out there. Uh, so check us out on vilefiles.com. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram. Do all that fun stuff. Go back and check out our Ask Nick episode this week because, <laughs> wow, some great stuff there. Quick reminder, great episode next week. Molly Sims is with us, uh, the wonderful and delightful Molly Sims. And um, I guess we probably got Basher Rat around the corner. That'll be fun. Can't wait. It'll be great. A lot of drama, I'm sure, to unfold. And... Um, Yeah, thanks for just listening, guys. Should we just start by discussing the 10 possible options? Yeah. yeah. The 10 erotic creature icons. Where did this come from? This came from teaching S-Factor for 20 years and watching women's movements and watching how women would, um, they would fall into one of 10 different iconic erotic energies in the shape of their body and the way they danced and the music they chose and the clothes that they wore. Um, they would develop this erotic creature and it was it turned out to be very close to who they would call in in love in, in terms of like how like like partners yeah yeah what are the ten there's five dark and five light 
and they're based in like core body emotions. So the dark is the deep soulful siren, which you're uh, familiar with. Apparently I am. Yeah. There's the shy, reluctant enigma. Shy, reluctant enigma. Yeah. There's the dangerous challenger. Why are they dangerous? They're, dangerous bad? they're fiery, dangerous in a good way, like dangerous sex. Okay. Dangerous sexuality. Okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's a volatility to their lovemaking. Like, they leave scratches. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no judgment. No, no. This is no. a full no judgment podcast. Okay, good. Yeah, we... <laughs> then there's the naughty provocateur. He and she like uh, kinkier, sexier, crazier, dangerous. You know, they go out. They're out outside the box. They like to provoke. Okay. And then there's the ice king and queen. And they are just kind of haughty, cold, cool. You got to melt them. You got to work hard to melt the two of them. Or do they have to work hard to allow themselves to be melted? Well, you know, that's incredibly wise of you. Yes. Or they don't, or they're lonely and they don't find anybody to heat them up. They like hotter energy. So Ice King and Ice Queen together, they do not work. They don't work well. They don't talk at dinner. You know those they couples who are at the restaurant? <laughs> they're like table, like 18 foot yeah. table. It's like those people a, hate each other. <laughs> they hate each other, but they're rich. Oh wait, Amanda, you were yeah. the blissful pleaser. She's a blissful pleaser. I'm a blissful pleaser too. What? Okay, so the light icon's a blissful pleaser. And she's like all mother earth and she's nurturing and she's loving and she'll cook for you and she'll and she loves to be nurtured and loved as well. And so there's also the blissful provider, which is the masculine version. Okay. There's the lustful lover and that they are just pure pleasure, pure hedonistic, erotic pleasure. I have to have Natalie take this quiz. <laughs> really is this your, your My girlfriend? girlfriend? Yeah, oh, yeah. please do. And then there's the um, joyful playmate. And that is a sexual energy and erotic energy that just wants to have fun and play and just bounce off of each other. And then there's the innocent teaser, and that is uh, that's like a newness of sexuality. Like they come at everything with like an open eyed, like oh, let's do that again. I've never kissed before, and then like five minutes later, let's kiss again. I've never done that before. So they they have bring a fresh newness to eroticism, like every single time that they engage. Think Marilyn Monroe. Interesting. Yeah. And then you have the champion energy, which is like a deep, grounded, kind of really centered energy of erotic energy. Like they're just like pure, like think, think like I want to say the rock. Just like pure mountain energy. Like, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Okay, so like Cal Drogo energy. Cal is between champion and dangerous challenger because he's pissed. <laughs> Yeah, he's got he's anger. Pissed. And he's hot, right? <laughs> he's so, so hot. He's hot. We're so into him because he's like sexy hot. Like he wants to kill you, but he really wants to kill you in love. I want to, like he wants to decimate. Um, and that's good. That's good. It's so yeah, hot. That's good. But I think like hot, Barack, Barack so Obama is like a champion sexual energy. Ah. Right? He's, there's a, he is between blissful provider and champion. But he's a little bit aloof, I feel. A little icy? Not, not, oh, I don't maybe. Think so. I don't know. That's I feel like he's so warm. I think he might be more like half provider, half champion. Mm, yeah. Like he's got that wow. selfless, like the champion sexual energy is really selfless. Like I will provide everything you need and I will find my needs filled by your needs being filled. That's hot. Yeah. That's hot. It, but it's always interesting how, how they balance each other out. Exactly. I'm immediately thinking about like now we know ourselves, but like 
who are we dating and how yeah. we're attracted to them. And if you are someone like the champion where you're, you get your joy after, after giving out of giving yeah. and providing, is there a limit to that? At what point do you lose yourself in focusing mm. on others and not focusing on yourself enough? But what happens if you're not with someone who, who receives that in a way that you want them to? It's like we are with an ice queen. Sure. Yeah. Then it's you're like, just like I don't need. Yeah. yeah that, that's not gonna, that's not a relationship's going to yeah. work. I think yeah. champion men and champion women work really well together because it's kind of like that infinity sign. Like they give and take and give and take equally. But like for example, you talked about my husband. My husband and my my erotic energy is a dangerous challenger. Oh, you're a dangerous challenger. Well, in my erotic world, yeah. Okay. And he's uh, he's more of a uh, I'd say he has champion energy in his erotic in his erotic. Is this is this all specific to the bedroom? Or no. is it specific to like everyday life? I think everything that happens in the body, it's like the stone that goes into the pond and ripples out into every part of your life. I really do. Yeah. I really do. So I think it, it, it starts in your body and in your eroticism and how your body wants to be loved or give love, uh, give lust, take lust. And then it just ripples into every relationship. And you can even look at people and you can start to say, oh yeah, that." Like I like you said, the forest, right? The deep, dark forest. And immediately it was like, ah, he's got depth. He's interested in depth in probably many facets of your life, not just erotically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I would guess that your girlfriend, I don't know her, but she might have some shy, reluctant, enigma energy. I mean, off the top, I mean, it sounds like, <laughs> sure, maybe. Sh uh, she could be shy, reluctant, but, you know, underneath it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, shy, reluctant energy loves deep, soulful siren energy because the deep, soulful siren is going to penetrate deeper, 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 always going deeper in, in. And the shy, reluctant enigma is just dying for that. Well, sometimes when I go real deep, she rolls her eyes at me. <laughs> She's like, really? You're still talking? <laughs> so how did you get into all this? Um, mm. By the way, uh, Sheila Kelly everyone yeah, that's me welcome I to know. the bio files welcome to the bio files um i'm not leaving i love it here but yeah how did you get into this i, I saw an interview where you talked about you did a, a movie role yeah. that you played a stripper mm -hmm. and then she started pole dancing and that snowballed into mm. really a kind of a whole lifestyle and totally. become a huge passion of yours exactly and so obviously the movie role but what made you connect with the role and allow you to find something, mm. you know, a deeper meaning as opposed to like, oh, that was a f like, you know, I'm, you know, actors get to do a lot of different things and depending on the character yeah. they play, they, maybe they learn how to horseback ride. It's like, oh, that was cool. And now I know how to horseback ride. But, yeah. you know, it really changed your life. Is that yeah. fair to say in terms yeah. of how you approach that? And what was it about that moment that allowed you to, to take playing that role and then find kind of all these benefits and then do what you're doing now in terms of using pole dancing is a way to allow so many women to really reconnect with who they are and really empower them. I think you just nailed it right there. The reason why, you're right, I've done a gazillion roles and I've played a different characters that do different things, but this thing affected me in such a profound way personally because uh, what you just said, I really started to see who I really am as an erotic creature. I thought I was really keen on who I was. I thought I was a sexy person. I thought that I had control over my body. But when I started to work on that film, it was an improvisational film. And I realized 
I had no idea how to inhabit my erotic body in front of people. That wasn't just in the dark of the bedroom, right? And the discovery over the four months of this improvisational film and developing this character was really digging deep inside and finding a side of myself in my body and embodying my body in a way that I never had before that gave me incredible confidence. And then understanding who I was as an erotic creature made me understand the relationship with the, my husband. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with my husband was not at a great place at that time. And so discovering all this about myself elevated our relationship. And we've been together like 31 years because of me knowing who I am and being able to bring that to the table with him. Knowledge is power, people, and knowing what we're putting in our bodies and what we're eating, our dietary habits will help us meet our health goals, whatever those goals might be. So if you're looking to get in better shape, if you're looking to maybe gain some muscle mass, maybe it's losing some weight, maybe it's just like having more energy as a result of the things that we eat, Noom is helping us get there. If you want to get healthier and stay healthier, you need to know more about your decisions. Noom gives you the knowledge, tools, and confidence of making strategic choices that turn into long-term habits. And those long-term habits turn into healthier, happier you. Based in science and built by psychologists, Noom doesn't give you rules, but instead it teaches you how to think so you can accomplish your personal health goals, stick with them long-term, and get healthy for good. It's really helped me learn about my habits. It only takes me 10 minutes a day. It helps me uh, kind of uh, appropriately maintain my cheat days. You know, I'm just trying to you know keep the body the way it is. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to stay and that's hard to do. But I also love, you know, say frosted, frosted mini wheats. Well, I could still enjoy a frosted mini wheats and Noom is helping me do that. The science to getting healthier. It's called Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Learn how to get healthy with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at N-O-O-M.com slash V-I-A-L-L. The Zebra. What is Zebra? Well, first, I want to, you to think about all the quarantine purchases you made. Huh, the late night pizza deliveries, the mini succulent trios, the online trainer you ghosted after two weeks. And then there's one of the biggest purchases of your year, insurance. Americans overspend on car and home insurance by billions every year, and that money could be spent on more happier things. That's where The Zebra can help you. The Zebra is a nation's leading insurance comparison site for car and home insurance. In minutes, you can compare policies from every major provider for free, all in one independent marketplace. After a few quick questions, The Zebra pairs people with the right insurance company for them, helping everyone save time and money. Buy online or over the phone with one of the licensed insurance agents. Make sure insurance is your smartest purchase yet with visit thezebra.com slash V-I-A-L. That is T-H-E. Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash V-I-A-L-L. No hidden fees or fine print with your personal information. Best of all, the Zebra has no stake in the policy you choose. They're there just to help you find the best coverage that's right for you and save some money so you can spend it on your sale. We spend a lot of time on this show. I mean, like you're watching the documentary uh, Strip Down, Rise Up on Netflix, by the way. If you haven't watched it, you should <laughs> just pause and watch it. So many things are covered that we talk about like uh, you know, taking your power back, shame, um, you know, f you know, finding things like, especially in relationships, mm -hmm. finding your own individual passions mm -hmm. and, and still, and not losing yourself in a relationship. And it was really kind of fascinating to see you guys cover it all in your relationship. <laughs> we talk a lot. It's one thing we talk so much about. We get a lot of questions is married couples, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, mostly women listen to this podcast, but they will ask, you know, I've been with my partner or my husband mm -hmm. 10, 15 years, five years, whatever the time period is, and we've lost the spark. Or how do we get the spark back? My my husband and I, we have sex 
you know, twice a, a month or whatever it is? And that's a tough question to answer on an individual basis, but it sounds like a lot of it has to do with maybe there's a lot of people in relationships and they'll, you know, will people get married at a younger age yeah. or, and they don't really maybe know who they are or they haven't, or they've lost themselves in the relationship. And is that something that, what, what kind of what you spoke to in terms of really kind of tapping in and taking a step back, even though you were already in this, what, like at what point, how long were you married to your husband when you kind of identified this, that you wanted to take a step back and get to know yourself and have it benefit your relationship? We were together probably 10 years, okay, 15 yes, years. 10, so we had, a, we, had a, yeah. we the beginning of our relationship, we have incredible chemistry. Yeah. And that's what kept us together is a volatile sexual chemistry. But my, my my sense of like he who he was and how he was erotically and in every day was like I didn't understand it. I didn't understand. He has. I mean, you know him. He played Toby in The West Wing. He's on The Good Doctor. He has a he has a a lot of dark energy. Yeah, he has like a. It's a very intimidating presence. Yeah. On, on I, I, I maybe that's why I'm into it. I was like, hi. Ah. Yeah, I really enjoy watching him but yeah he does he's intense yeah. and he's dark and he has a lot of kind of steamy pissy pissed off energy that you can just feel yeah and i was like why am i with this guy why am i with this guy he's so dark i should be with somebody really light like me and what this journey was able to show me is girl you've got dark energy just as dark as his and that dark energy is why you are so attracted to each other and so i feel like you talk about couples that lose the spark. They have kids, they have life, they go into some time together, and all of a sudden they've lost what I call uh, polarity, the sexual polarity, which is that energy, that masculine, feminine, positive, negative, north-south energy that creates that incredible attraction. If you think about magnetic energy, you think about electrical energy, you think about sexual energy, you've got to have that polarity. If you have too much sameness, if you become like roommates, mm. if you become, you know, like family, brother, sister, you lose the sexual polarity. And once you do that, it just kind of flatlines. But I, I, I truly am passionate about helping women and men recreate that polarity because you know you can I don't care if you've been together 40 years five years five months you can fix polarity you can create polarity and the number one thing is finding out who you are in your body as an erotic being so if you don't know who you are how do you know what your lover is how do you know what to bring to the to the party of love right to mm -hmm. sexuality how was your husband at first when you discovered this in terms of accepting this exploration you did within yourself. Cause I wonder, mm. especially a part of the doc was this almost fear of their partner of, will he accept me? Will he be open to this mm. change? Will he even be okay that I'm taking a pole dancing class, et cetera, et cetera, the judgment that might come with it. Like how was he specifically? And what would you say to the women listening who don't, shockingly, you know, even though it's their husband, don't even feel comfortable to like, talk about this hey i want to get to know who, like almost does it sound too you know hippie hippie gb or whatever like let's you know like <laughs> too, hey i want to do personal growth let's dance on a pole and get to know ourselves again and you're like what 
how about let's dance on a pole and free our sexual desire? Yeah. Or how about dance on a pole and free my erotic creature? You know, because I agree with you, people can, they don't, it's how do you put the two and two together? Look, it's a whole revolution in our whole world. It's a cultural revolution of coming from being stuck up here in our masculine mind, coming back into the body, right? I mean, we're all living, you know, from our armpits up with those, with our little phones, our little mm -hmm. computers, our little tablets. And so we've lost our body and we've lost the, we can't even understand how our body wants to come into a relationship erotically or sexually. We see images, we see pornography, we see uh, romance novels, we see stuff outside of ourselves and we think, oh, maybe that's how I wanna be loved or maybe that's what I find erotic. But actually your body is got all the answers. So like, I'm just a real body advocate. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like um, it can feel like, oh, this is all so, bizarre but it's it blew my mind what happened in my life was so radical the transformation was so intense that i just started to share it with people and then they shared it with people and it grew grassroots right and then oprah came and had us so on the it was show. more like hey i'm into this i'm in look this what happened what i'm doing exactly look what happened to me this is what happened to me when i you know woke up to my erotic body it can happen to you and it did happen for thousands of women and at this point i've you know taught hundreds of thousands of women and it just seems to light women back up because you know think about think about the world we live in think about the documentary mm -hmm. women are told from the time they are itty bitty to stop touching that don't do this don't do that keep those crossed don't do this don't wear that to the point where we are so terrified of what our bodies are saying to you mm -hmm. and to the world that we just we just start to clench and we shrink ourselves to be smaller and smaller and smaller so that we don't upset the status quo so that we don't upset the patriarchal value right the value system and so when you actually step back into the volatile sexuality of the feminine body watch out because you're going to turn into the sexual erotic icon of yourself you're just you're it's like women have such incredible sexual energy that has been shut down so when you free it it's like you're just unleashing the most magnificent erotic energy how much resistance have you felt from the outside world along the way because mm -hmm. You know, especially we get a lot of people listening to this podcast who it's a very common story to come from a very traditional religious background or conservative. I mean, I'm, I'm like that myself. And, you know, that's why we just kind of have this kind of no judgment mentality on, on this show. Um, and there, you know, religion can be very great, but it has done damage in people's lives. What has uh, done damage? Religion can. Religion. Have, yeah. Okay. The shame of it all, mm -hmm. like the judgment or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even hearing you talk, this kind of empower empowerment combined with sex and, and femininity, I think a lot of people can find it intimidating. Or you see it on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. You know, now that my you know my girlfriend and I are more public now, and she's posting on Instagram, her 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 women audience has gone up. Before it was more like men following her, and she's a beautiful woman, and yeah. she's proud of her body, and and she'll post pictures in a bikini sometimes, and. Sometimes it get real, a real harsh, judgmental world out there. It's of, harsh, man. And um, how can women not let that get to them, and 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 not let that mm. like stunt their kind of, uh, you know, confidence in their 
who they are and their bodies and their sexual energy and, and without the shame of traditional kind of conservative values? It's a great question. And it's so funny because, you know, I'm, I was brought up Roman Catholic mm -hmm. and Same. a lot of the, the women at the S Factor community are very religious, either Christian or mm -hmm. Jewish or uh, there's even Muslim students, but you have to reframe what religion is for your body in, include your body in religion to me. I mean, especially I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, get erotic and go sleep with everybody. I'm saying get erotic for your own life and your own pleasure and your own if you have a significant other partner and bring that into, I believe sexuality is one of the most spiritual experiences on the planet. I believe coming together with somebody in consciousness and in love through your body can be like touching God. Yeah. And I feel like if you, whatever you believe in, God, the universe, Allah, whatever, this body was created for pleasure these bodies right that's why the bodies have so many nerve endings and erogenous zones and different ways of feeling pleasure and what a sad thing to go through your life and not live in this body to its fullest potential that was god given so i reframe it in that way you know is it's about living to the fullest potential you're capable of it's about laughing as broadly as you can. It's about feeling as much pleasure as you can. It's about feeling as much love as you can, connection as mm -hmm. you can. Um, and then you'll have lived a well, you, your body will have been well used in life. How can we be untucked and free while still looking like a professional badass? Well, I'll tell you how. Untuck it. It's a shirt that like fits right and appropriately for your body. And you can let it like not be tucked in. You don't want to seem all tight and stuffed up. But you don't want to look it's like a It's designed to be worn untucked. That's, That's right. the whole purpose. It's meant to be worn untucked while you look great. Doesn't matter if it's for work or a red carpet event. Doesn't matter. Untuck It's got you covered. Untuck It makes shirts designed to be worn untucked. They have fits for all shapes and sizes. Untuck It offers up to XXXL. Plus, they have slim, relaxed, and tall fits. I love my Untuck It. They have performance shirts that wick sweat. That's the perfect uh, transition shirt, you know? Back from, uh, you know, from work. Go out to play. Either way, you got the shirt that covers it all. Dinner with friends? Yeah. Untuck has got you covered. Reuniting with family and vacation too. Use my code V-I-A-L-L -L, for 20% off your first purchase at Untuck It. So ladies out there, get your guy a shirt that fits. Make him look good and free. Let him show that body. Oh, well, not looking like a slob. Also, they have free returns and exchanges. Credit Karma. True story about Credit Karma. I used it when I was buying my house. Uh, they really, uh, obviously, your credit score plays a big deal when you're trying to buy a house. And uh, I monitored my credit up through the loan process, and they were truly a, a big help. I wouldn't got the rate I had without Credit Karma. I can say that. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spent account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? Credit Karma. Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. You can use your Credit Karma Money debit card and win daily Instacarma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements 
No overdraft fees. Free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. The real focus for the women in the documentary that you work with, it it was for themselves. Like their, their sexuality, their pleasure was mm-hmm. more focused on what pleasures you, what yeah. makes you happy. Yeah. And then whoever's into that allow them to maybe enjoy it if you want to but like we especially women and i think men suffer a little bit too much sometimes too is that all the pleasure they think they should be having should be focused on whether they're accepted by their partner like what are you like especially you know oh what are, are you okay did you finish did you come did you like right, right. are you okay like don't worry about me i'm i'm like as long as you're happy i'm like, over here being yeah, a champion yeah. <laughs> And then meanwhile, it's just like, well, wait, well, what about you? And I think exactly. it's it's amazing how many, and I think more women than men uh, aren't even focused on like if they climaxed or if they're getting any enjoyment out of it whatsoever. So many women yeah. don't even climax yeah. and don't even know how to climax in a lovemaking session with a partner. Yeah, I mean, that's a statistic that is painful because our bodies are so shut down from such an early age. When the minute you wake your body up and if you do it through any feminine movement practice, but I use S, you know, S-factor as a feminine movement practice. You don't have to use a pole. You can just do the floor work and just warm up your body and move your body, undulate your body. And that is an erotic energy, right? And to me, what you're saying is so true. And the fact that um, that women have been okay living like this and what the documentary shows is we're getting to a tipping point where where women are just boiling over. They don't wanna live in misery they don't want to live in shutdown. They don't want to live without polarity and turn on. But a woman, when she wakes up to the fact that she is responsible for her own coming, she is responsible for her own turn on, it's not his or her partner's job. That changes this whole scenario. It changes the whole thing because it makes her feel uh, like she knows herself and doesn't have to depend on someone else for her own pleasure and her own happiness. I mean, that's huge. That really ripples out, right? Well, yeah, it kind of it makes you like a free agent. Free agent, you know. It's like, yeah. and it, 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 it's. I mean, we wouldn't have a podcast. We, we get on, we do an episode where people call and ask relationship questions, and it wouldn't exist if if everyone understood. <laughs> that premise because yeah. it's so it's so much of well what what can i do to make them okay what can i like it, it there's very little thinking about their own needs and mm-hmm. that's not just sexual it's just about their own happiness yep. day-to-day life yep. their work their passions and career and it's just like well if you just took a moment mm-hmm. and prioritized the things that you want in life yeah. and then you were just like if anyone wants this i'm great or if you don't also fine uh, yeah. that would just make you so much more free. You you were going running around life being like, are you okay with this? Are you, are you okay? No, you're not. Yeah. Like, what can I do? And then you're, yes. you're being pulled in all these different directions. Uh, like it's a, wow. you know, people are dating like it's a, like a political campaign, which is, it's tough it's because so tough. like you can't get everyone to like you. No. You know, you just got to find the one. No, but you're really wise. 
because Thanks. you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's like when you are self-satisfied, when you are when you know yourself so well, and especially your body, because that's where I come from, is everything emanates from the body. When you are so keen on exactly how you want to be kissed, exactly how you want to be touched, where you want to be touched, how you want to be touched, how you want to be loved, and you feel so full, you can't help but want to give. You can't help but want to serve when you feel full. But I have met so many people, Nick, so many women, mostly women who walk through the world empty, needy, 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 and thinking that their partner is gonna fill that need. And that I don't wanna be alone. I don't want you to go golfing. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. Be with me, be with me, be with me. Go shopping with me, go do this with me. And it gets to the point where their partners are just at a loss. Like, I can't can't give anymore. (laughs) I have to take, you know, care of me. If there's one thing that the masculine, and when I talk about masculine and feminine, I'm not talking about gender, I'm not talking about um, uh, biological sex, I'm actually talking about whether you identify with more masculine or more feminine energy to define who you are as a human being, right? But the more masculine energies, you know, they've learned, there's a, there's a self-sustaining energy that they've learned. They learn to take care of themselves, I've noticed. And the feminine who the wants to please. More masculine. The more masculine mm-hmm. seems to be much more autonomous. And it might be the world we live in. It might be just innate masculine energy. But the feminine energy feels to me that it's always wanting to please and always serving and acquiescent. And uh, when you get to the point where where, the, where women and feminine energy is able to be self-sustaining and autonomous, and then you've got two equal energies in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's so volatile. It's like I say the word volatile, but that might not people might not understand. What I mean, it's just it's like explosive sexuality. Yeah. It's expl- it, so if you are in a relationship that you've been in for thirty years, twenty years, ten years, and you feel that it's kind of like gotten dormant sexually, it's kind of gotten boring. Like you said, they have sex once or twice a month, once a year you can pull yourself back into yourself, learn about how to turn yourself on and then bring that back into your that relationship to actually increase that spark. You know, fe- talk about feminine energy or, or, yeah. or, or women and this like the stereotype or maybe it's because it's just more prevalent of you know, wanting to please or give the nurturing <laughs> energy. But like, and it seems like people will confuse that nurturing energy with like, again, just forgetting what they need or nurturing themselves or like why you know it's just like and maybe that's why it's so common Mm. but it seems like it you you believe both can be possible you can be a a nurturer and and giving all while not forgetting the things you need which that seems to be what happens most often if this i want to be a caretaker i want to take care of my partner i want to take care of my kids or whoever it is and then one day you wake up you're like i'm miserable yeah yeah and I'm empty. Yeah. And I feel depleted and tired. And now I'm depressed. So now I'm going to get on antidepressants. I'm going to go see shrink. I'm going to try and, and, and you start to try and use, you've gotten so conditioned to look outside yourself for fulfillment. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you don't know that if you just turn around and look inside and you look at the wonder that is the feminine body, the, the a woman's body, you look at the brilliance. I often say to women, 
you are number one. You're the top of the cup on that champagne fountain cup thing. Mm -hmm. And if you are empty, you will be giving from emptiness. But if you fill yourself up first, and it's called the infinity, right? It's like, I can give to you, but I have to give to me to get full. It's this infinity energy. Like we have some blissful pleasers in the audience over here. Um, Amanda's <laughs> a blissful pleaser. So blissful pleasers run the risk of giving, giving, giving until they're depleted. Yeah. What the blissful pleaser needs to learn, I'm looking at both of you, is that I can only give out what I have inside. So I have to fill up first and then I give from that full cup. And so, yeah. I, I like think, that kind of analogy. It's like one of those like yeah. uh, water fountains. Exactly. Like it's coming from, it's it's recycling the water. Like yeah. it's not like it's just pulling from nothing. That's exactly right. You know, so it's, it's intaking the water in the pool that's, that's right. fi also filling up the pool. That's right. That's right. And then I can, and then I can nurture from that, from that place. And, and women do have a strong nurture bent or the feminine does, right? So the one thing women have never been taught or given permission to even do is to spend time filling their own cup first, finding out how they want to be loved, finding out how they want to be touched, moving in an erotic way, turning themselves back on. And if they took all the energy that they use, that we use to shut ourselves down, I mean, when I said earlier that women have been taught and trained from early childhood to get smaller and smaller and smaller like this, right? Look at my body. Mm -hmm. Do you know how much energy it takes to keep myself this small? It takes a lot of energy. Now, what if I release that energy and then I find my own erotic energy inside my body? Oh my God, you are like, you're creating 10 times the energy you had that you had been living with to live in the future, right? So if I've been living real small and little and I'm using, and then I explode out of myself and I I find my full body expression. I find my pleasure. I find my sexuality. I find my erotic creature. And I'm turned on. My God, nothing can stop you. For, you can't stop you in a relationship. It can't stop you at work. Everything that you've ever wanted will come to you. So how can young women mm. apply this mindset? Because it seems like, you know, specifically the doc, it was, you know, women coming to you or seeking this out after they have, experienced some life or some trauma or um, unhappy relationships yeah. or et cetera, et cetera. But if we can instill this type of mentality, there's kind of this teaching mm -hmm. to the, you know, young men and women uh, to prioritize this and get to know themselves. I know easier said than done, but what would be some ways to try to change that? I think you start so early. Yeah. I think you start really early with, um, teaching young girls even about their body. Yeah. When my little girl was three years old, one, one day she um, had a big pasta dinner and I put her to bed and we're laying in bed and her belly was kind of protruding. And she's like, oh, mommy, I'm so fat. I'm not gonna eat anything tomorrow. And I was like, oh, alarm bells. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I did a self-touch exercise with her and we touched all these different parts of her body and we talked about what that part of the body does and, and then she'd kiss her part of the body. She'd kiss her knee and she'd kiss her ankle and she'd kiss her arms and she'd kiss her, her whichever she could reach, right? And she'd love up on her belly and love up on her chest. And that became a ritual that we did because I could see her being pulled into the really horrifying whirlpool of self-hate that women go through in their bodies 
It's like, yeah. it's rampant. It's so bad. Women are so brutal to their own being and their own body, but they didn't start out that way. They learned that from somewhere. They learned that from the culture or from mad media and magazines. And so I think it starts super early, getting young girls to feel powerful in their bodies, teaching them strong stances, teaching them about the different emotional energy in their body and how brilliant their body is. You know, there's so many tools that I've learned or other feminine embodiment people have learned about the body that need to be given to young girls so that they don't get sucked into that self-hatred gerbil wheel. Yeah, it's because um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we are all we all, we we project all our crap onto like literally everyone else yeah. in the world. And and then you'll see and it's like even some you know defensive men be like, well, it's you know, women are more mean to other women and, huh. and, and whatever. And like, sure. But like we, we all do it. We're all just projecting our own bullshit. Yeah. You know, we very often, very rarely like look in the mirror and yeah. just be like, why am I, why am I criticizing or why am I commenting on this post or why am right. I assuming something negative rather than assuming something positive? You know, like for example, like my, my girlfriend will post a picture in a bathing suit and both men and women equally will start deciding whether she's had plastic surgery oh, or why she's wearing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, it's really fucking brutal. That's, yeah. Oh. You know, and you're just like, oh. why don't you just say, you look great and be on your way or, or say nothing at all. But yeah. it's, it's wild. And, um, and, and it's, I don't know why. And again, men and women are, totally. are doing this to each other. Totally. It's misery loves company. Yeah. Your mob mentality. Well, if she looks that great, she's doing something false, right? Mm -hmm. Because I look like this, because I sit on the couch all day and I'm not moving. And that makes themselves feel better, right? I don't, I, I feel like, I feel like we have such, I mean, this gets into a whole other conversation, but we're in a really kind of just divisive, mm -hmm. divided, brutal time right now. Because I, 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 being celebrity, being a celebrity, being someone in the public eye, Nick, you have a target on your back and your chest, and so does your girlfriend now, and you know so do do I, you know, and and we have to decide how are we going to boundary ourselves to be safe in that in that milieu. So if this is affecting your girlfriend in any way whatsoever, I would have her create boundaries, psychic boundaries, meaning you know, block and delete. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, she's good about it. Don't and, allow. And, um, but yeah, but it can't help. It wears it you down. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It can't help but eat away at. And I feel like we are, you know, social media is such a new landscape that we haven't learned how to create boundaries on it yet. And uh, I've had to because I have had a target too. And I now I'm very, very clear. This is a space. My platforms are a space of love and elevation and compassion and learning. And if you do not Respect that, block and delete. Block and delete because I need to create a safe psychic space for myself and for people. And it's it's really amazing how little people do that and how they allow all of these, I don't know if you wanna call them haters or judgers, into your psychic space to judge your body. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's vulnerable. And I don't care how tough your girlfriend's skin is, that can eat away at you. And, it, and it's not just her, I mean, everyone does it. Even yeah. whether you're, a, in the public eye or not now to some degree if you have a public 
social media platform. I know. It's all relative too. Like you could have 300 followers. How many people, how many of those 300 people do you know and, and knows you? Right. Like knows who I you really are. I get it from this are. show all the time. Yeah. What I do you get, get it from this show all the time. What do you judge get? me of my face, my skin. What? Um, why is why does Nick only hire fat producers like what all that kind of stuff? Fuck? Yeah, I get kidding? it in my DMs all the time. And do you look at them? People. Do you look at them? Oh, I do, but then yeah, <laughs> I, I, to delete them. I tell her not to. I get a lot of conversation to be had. I mean, in your documentary, yeah. what what touched me the most was these women because yeah. I'm a bigger woman. With these women who feel the sh the shame that goes along with yeah. being a bigger woman, yep. and so you see on social media and you see all this stuff Brutal. where it's like you're shamed into like not showing your body, like you know, like Lizzo's doing the like here here I am right now, yeah. right? Like here's me, here I am, I'm putting myself naked. Yeah, but like someone who's bigger, you you have like this shame and like trying to show something like that. So it was interesting in your documentary that you were able to help these women kind of like feel like it's okay for them to be considered almost women that were pretty. A thousand times. It's, I can't even believe you get that. I, I would, I, I'm so protective right now, this whole social media world. I'm so protective of people I care about. Like I'm like, don't ever open a DM, just shut it down. <laughs> Just block and delete. We were just never meant to have this much access to other people's no. opinions about yeah. ourselves. And, and, the, and that's true. Access is the word because yeah. you have to earn access to people. And people are just feeling like they have access to you. That's not right. That was such a beautiful share with you. And I don't want it to go by without, first of all, thanking you for sharing. That's vulnerable what you said and did about your own body. You have a beautiful endomorphic body. And what people don't understand is the different kinds and shapes of bodies and becoming coming to peace with who you are uh, in your body is one of the most important things you can ever attain. And uh, I know that there was a period of time where the endomorphic body was worshiped, right? And in Maritania- Can you explain what endomorphic okay, body Okay, oh, means? thank you. So <laughs> there's an endomorphic body and mesomorphic body and an ectomorphic body. And these are the different um, body shapes that we are gonna, our DNA is gonna dictate we grow into, right? We're getting, an endomorphic is a rounder body that has more curve and more, uh, more fat tissue. A mesomorphic has more muscle tissue and an ectomorphic has more neural tissue. And so each of these body types have had its reign of popularity as sexual icons, right? The Venus of Willendorf, if you know that, it's that ancient um, figurine of that kind of robust and um, full-bodied woman. Do you know that one I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Lizzo is an endomorph. Okay. In in a country called Mauritania, it's a, I think it's an African country, um, women that have more body, more mass, more fat are considered more attractive and more, more, more sexually provocative than thinner women. So there's different cultures that, that appreciate different kind of body types. Right now we live in a, in a time that loves the ectomorph, you know, the tall, skinny, the ectomorphs are very long boned and really thin and tall and small heads. Um, think of like any, supermodel sure. was probably an ectomorph and a mesomorph is more athletic and muscular like any athlete you can think of any female athlete would be in an, an, a mesomorph so 
coming to peace, part of my passion is helping women come to peace with with their body and who their body is and was meant to be. They have no control over whether you're going to be an endomorph or an ectomorph. And and understanding that, oh, I'm an endomorphic body. I'm supposed to have this curvy shape. I'm not supposed to look like a stick. Is Do you so, think there's a shift at all in the past 10 years? It's a shift that's kind of like, see, look, I'm an endomorph, but I have this tiny waist that I had, you know. Sure. You know, so when we think about, I think Lizzo is doing more for endomorph yeah. than anybody because endomorph is, is you know, just robust, fleshy, you know, has this beautiful, cur it's not just like I have that 26 inch waist that Kim Kardashian has. It's like, no, I have a, a, a wide girth here and that's, that's, that's natural to my body and it's beautiful and it's sexy. So I do know what you're saying, but I do think that we are moving in that direction of pushing more acceptance and normalizing different body types. But I do still think there is this impossible standard mm -hmm. that I'm watching my 20 year old daughter try and achieve and it is, it is brutal. And these girls are still cutting and they're still bulimic and they're still anorexic and they're still trying to look like Kim Kardashian, who I don't know how she gets her waist to do that. You know, that's, she's gorgeous, but please, that's not, that does not look like a waist that I've ever, I've ever seen, you know? I, I, I do, yeah. <laughs> Right. I, and I think there's, I think with social media in particular, yeah. I'm struck by how it feels like I could I really identify like a hierarchy of beauty. And I yeah. could tell you, ex I could look at any given photo and point out which aspects of a person conform to that hierarchy of beauty and which of those traits are like desirable. I have a very clear sense of like what is coveted as a body. And that might be like slightly different than other people. But I think there is sort of like a shared sentiment about like what traits and features are are idealized and celebrated and I think yeah. one thing I was like very curious about with like watching the document or watching the documentary was the way you sort of help women get out of the self-talk and mm -hmm. into their body and yeah. I'm curious how you think that's possible for people to do on their own because it's like there's you know there's the visceral like yeah. more intuitive body I feel good in myself but then there's the voice saying but I know all of these metrics that I could compare myself yeah. to and what is coveted and what is valued and I don't meet those and so I'm curious like how that's possible without having another person intervening to get you out of your head to like reconnect with that physical intuition oh gosh that was a big question <laughs> um it's so I always say to women talk to your toes <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but if I, I just started, I just said that. Did you guys wiggle your toes? Yeah. Yeah. Are you all wiggling your toes now? I did. Now do it again. All right. And, and so if you're thinking about the pleasure in your feet and your toes, you can't be sitting here going, but I'm not this, that, that, that. So I'm, I know it's cute and it's funny. Talk to your toes. But I, I, that is all I do is all I do is get women's minds to think down into their body. Touch your leg. Tickle your leg. Smack your leg. Do you like it? Which do you like better? Do you like a spanking? Do you like a tickle? Do you like a a, a strong hand? You know, you, it's exploring the body, and that that distracts the critical mind from. Well, I don't have that waist, so I'm going to autocorrect that. And I'm going to autocorrect this. I'm going to autocorrect that. And you don't. You post a picture; it looks nothing like you, but you feel good about it because it represents you to other people. And meanwhile, you go into the bathroom and you vomit up your 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 lunch and your dinner. I hope I'm not being too graphic, but I I work with women day in and day out. I know what women do. I know what girls do. I know what they're doing now to their bodies to try and look like 
all of these icons that they love, right? So the fact that I'm gonna go back to Lizzo because I'm so in love with her and I'm so in love with what <laughs> she's doing because she's actually saying, this is my body. I don't have a 26 inch waist, but I'm hot, I'm sexy, I feel good in my skin, I dance, I sing. And she's like, uh, she's redefining what sexy can be, what sexy is, right? And giving women permission to feel it inside. Sexy, if you say, if you allow sexy to be a word that someone can describe you as, then you are disempowering yourself. If you take sexy and you say, it's mine to define how I feel inside, if I want to feel sexy, then you've just taken the power back, right? Mm -hmm. And that entails talking to your toes, touching your hair, touching your body, breathing deeply into your curves, swirling your hips. And just to me, it's the biggest F you to a culture that wants to give you these strict guidelines by which sexy is determined. If you say, screw that, and that's what the poll is, that's why I took the poll and turned it into something that any woman on the planet can do is, look, I don't want, I don't want this culture to dictate who I am, how beautiful I am, how sexy I am, and how viable I am and valuable I am. I'm gonna define that. And I'm gonna do it by taking the pole back and by taking the six inch heels back and then by taking my body back. Is that, does that help? No, yeah. I mean, I'm passionate about it, you can tell, because I've seen so much pain. I've seen so many women in pain and I don't want women in pain. It's, women are too amazing. And, and I've learned so much from, from cisgendered men looking at women with such love and appreciation. And so to be able to get women to open up to that, because you're right, women can be brutal on women. Or they can, can be, be brutal on each other. Yeah, they people. can. And I think it's a culture of scarcity, of feeling like if I don't look like her, I won't get as much attention as she does. Yeah. And I feel like what it needs to be is it, everybody's going to get attention because true sexuality, true sexiness is not the 26-inch waist. It is what you feel inside and what you emanate out. You know, when you just radiate like life force energy and you let your body dance and move and you're like liquid and fluid and full of pleasure, you're gonna get all the gazes. You're gonna get a lot of attention because you're living fully in your truth and in your body. I, I totally agree. I was, while watching your doc, I was, mm. a question came to me that is a very common question out there, almost like in a playful adolescent way. And that's just, the stereotype that nice guys finish last, mm -hmm. right? And a lot about your doc was about many of these women who have been traumatized by men, right? And then I think many men might watch it and get defensive. It's like, well, I'm look at one of the good guys, but like I've had some tough luck with women as well, and the yeah. nice guys finish last. Last, do you? Well, one, do you believe that to be true? Um, yeah, let's just start there. Do I believe that nice guys finish last? Yeah, that the stereotype that nice guys finish last. No, I do okay. not believe okay. that. I, I actually, I do not believe that. Yeah, I, I think people confuse what nice means. Yes, right. That's right? what I would. Yeah, um, anybody who's saying that is probably not a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like people will say, like women will joke about that too. I'm not. It's not mm -hmm. say, like women will be like, I like the bad boy. Like I like the. But the nice know, guy can be the bad boy. Well, that's what I'm the saying. The best bad boys are nice guys. Exa well, and again, depends. Oh God, quote that. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> right. Also, that's could, yes, and it also depends on what you def how you define bad boy or nice guy or because you're we're spending so much talk 
time talking yeah. about empower and yep. empowering and people will confuse especially a lot of the women calling in of like well well i don't i don't want to be difficult i don't want to be a bitch i don't want to like and i'm just like oh, i want to be cool i don't i don't want a guy to think i'm crazy i don't want to and yeah. i'm just like that doing knowing what you want yeah. knowing how you feel feeling yeah. sexy take your that doesn't guys love that right I, that's what that's right? what i'm saying now do y'all hear him Guys love that. Oh my God. L love, love. And it will attract the right guys. That's right. And you'll also attract a guy who is ideally feels the same way about himself. Confident, yes. secure, knows what he wants, knows what he doesn't want. But when you don't know what you want, you will attract sometimes mm -hmm. a guy who thinks he knows what he wants because he's just a dick or puts you down. Yep. And you spend so much time like pining for his love and affection. Mm. Right? So, but like, to stop that, we we need to focus both men and women on knowing ourselves, yes. what we want, being confident in ourselves, and then attracting the people we allow into our lives, not pining for the attention and validation of others. And I think it works both ways. Hundred percent. But I think we're confusing like nice guy with or or bad boy with someone who's just conf confidence can be intimidating. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's a dick, or it doesn't mean he's you know gaslights, or it doesn't mean he you know, does all these like toxic things, a toxic right. masculinity and, and mm -hmm. things like that. And often that comes from mm -hmm. you, you, you can, if you're, if you're in, you know, they'll say like, if you're insecure about yourself, men or women, you will attract people because you know, predators yeah. will pick up on your weakness, whatever that might be. And if you have a weakness and you don't know who you are, men and women, you will attract people, unfortunately, yeah. who will leverage that weakness to mask their own. Oh, 100% yeah. agree with you. So we just got to focus on what we need first before we're, you know, even if we are a nurturer uh, and knowing ourselves yeah. to try to. Uh, uh, can I just share something with you about yeah. the, the, the good guy, bad guy, yeah. bad boy thing? Because uh, you're so dead right about this is knowing who you are and how you are. So as when I was a, uh, I hate to, okay, so I, I would categorize men when I was younger and I still, and, I, and it still kind of works. I would categorize potential lovers as A, B, C, or D men. I'm dying to I know. know. <laughs> I, I'm dying to know the list. So the D man is, you used the word before, is a dick man. The dominate, <laughs> is the dominator. It's the dominator mentality. Okay. And he's the dick man. And he thinks the world revolves around him and his penis. And that's a culture that we are hopefully leaving the sea man is the compromised or castrated man who has allowed some force in their lives to castrate their virility, whether it's um, an overbearing mother and father or if it's society and a job he hates or whatever it is, he's compromised himself. That's, the, that's what I think people interpret as the good guy. You yeah. don't have to be that. Yeah. And then there's the bee man, which is the boy man who doesn't want to grow up and is having a hard time taking on responsibility and stepping into his virility and his his masculinity. And then there's the A-man, and I call him the, uh, 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 the altar man at whose altar I worship. I worship the altar man, I, the, uh, the awakened man, who is completely at peace with his virility and his masculinity, can stand in it, can hold his space, can hold his lover's space, um, can uh, isn't intimidated and overwhelmed by strong, oh, wild, crazy, erotic, feminine energy, can hold that 
and feels not overwhelmed or intimidated, you saw three amen in the film uh, that hold that that held the space for the women yeah. who were just shattering, right? It's so beautiful, and I think it take to to get to amen status to get to this place. You're exactly right. You got to do some deep, deep inner work. Who am I as a masculine energy on this planet? And and when I say a man, it could be an a woman as well. If if you're in a gay a lesbian relationship, if, uh, it's so it's it's really about how do I find and hold my integrity in this masculine energized body I'm in, right? Yeah. So I feel like an a man can be the baddest bad boy on the planet because he's so at peace with himself and his masculinity. Now, he's not threatened by other masculine energy. He's not threatened by, he can hold the space and protect the feminine energy around him that he wants to protect. Yeah, and I think like you said that the, the castrated guy yeah. is what people confuse yeah. as the, the good guy or yeah. the nice guy. Yeah. And that he's he might be nice at times yeah you know and he might be gentle at times but he's got some shit he needs to work through right and totally. that's, that's why like you'll see like maybe you might see this good looking guy from afar you walk up and then he starts talking and immediately he'll lose all his kind of sexual energy because yep. he's always he doesn't know what he, you know he's figuring him he doesn't know he what he wants and he's confused and his insecurities just kind of radiate and uh, that makes a lot of sense you hear and that's why he, he's not sought after it's no. not because he's nice it's because he lost his he's kind of he's the guys say get your balls back right yeah. he's lost his i don't want to be crass about it but he's lost his sense of who who he is as a man yeah yeah because yeah. I, I do get fresh i'll see guys on the internet the light of this oh well I, you know, I try to be nice, but that doesn't seem to work. And it's just like. And that's a C man right there. Yeah. Just the way you said it is a, is a compromised man who he wants to be nice. He wants to fit into the whole model of what's happening in the world. And he wants to be respectful, da, 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 which he can be. Just don't compromise yourself as a man. Don't compromise your own sense of masculinity, your own sense of groundedness, your own sense of power, your strength, your physical strength your emotional strength, your what, what, all of these elements that that can really make for a powerful masculine presence. Yeah. And it will really, I see it with a lot of young men too. It's just like the first time they get their heart broken. Yeah. They feel like they've been vulnerable for the first <laughs> time and they've done X, Y, and Z and hit, she leaves. Yeah. And then there's resentment and anger and it's just like, well, you... I was good to you and it I didn't get anything out of it right. and it's right. like transactional niceness yes it's not niceness that's yes. coming from within no. and from wanting to nurture and be kind no, I, it's like I'm doing this for you yes. why aren't you keeping up your exactly. end of the bargain right yeah. and right. then they leave and it's just like mm -hmm. what the fuck how dare you how dare you yeah dare I feel you. cheated it's like <laughs> you're not there's billions of people just find someone else <laughs> Yeah, but it, it you see that a lot with a lot of yeah. young and men. And I think women, I think especially young women are so susceptible to that guilt. I think guilt is such a like comfort, guilt and shame. And that's yeah. one thing that's so clear in the documentary is a really comfortable space for a lot of women to go into. And so part of the reason that this dynamic exists and perpetuates is that like I feel like me and my peers were very susceptible to this idea that, oh, we did owe them something and we didn't keep up our end of the bargain and that there is like some obligation and that I think it can be really hard to have the confidence to take up space and be like, no, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, people often like yeah. when, when people break up, there's just always, there's going to be pain. If there was love there, there there's going to be sadness. Yep. 
and it's okay to be the bad guy, quote unquote bad guy, if you end up leaving a relationship because they're going to feel anger and you got to sometimes, and we'll do that because you'll break someone's heart and you cared about them and you feel sad because you didn't want to hurt them. Yeah. And then it gets really complicated. You're, you, then you will compromise what you know you deserve in a relationship because like, I need to leave this relationship yeah. for whatever reason. It's not good for me or I know I want or deserve something more and That's it's nothing right. against you. And then we worry too much about you know them and or they'll you'll, we'll let them shame us. And, right. and there's just a lot of a lot of messiness that can come from that. And, uh, and and men and women do do that to to each other. They do. And there's something that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to in 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 connection to that is is well you mentioned that men can look at the documentary and say, you know, men can be brutal on women's and women's bodies. And there's a lot of things in the documentary that you'll yeah. see that a lot of women recovering from brute brutal. Yeah. And it, and most and men, it must be really really tough on some level. And I'm I'm showing compassion to the masculine right now because there's such a it's like a punching bag at the moment uh, because so many men are not bad guys and are not going to be sexual offenders or not going to hurt women but there are those few that have and you know where do we where's the line where men don't have to and this is my question to you because you must feel that too at some level you must feel i can't believe those guys did that to these girls yeah, there's a you know we've a lot of talk in our culture like you know police are good apples bad apples that yeah. idea of like well there's you know there's just some bad apples right type of thing yeah. and uh you can yes there's uh, you get defensive too, but I mean, in my adult life, I feel very fortunate not only to have this platform and have people calling each other stories, but I have a lot of women friends. I've, yeah. I've dated a lot of women and it's shocking uh, how many, mm -hmm. you, you, when you start talking to women about their experiences or you watch the movie where she goes on these dates and she, Promising Young Woman, yes. and. The amount of women that have experienced Se sexual mm -hmm. assault, trauma, uh, harassment is astonishing. 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 Thank you for saying that. Because, and and yeah. what's more astonishing yeah. is that of all the women who have shared a story in some degrees, whether it's friends, women I've dated, yep. just acquaintances, 100% of the men who, who victimize them are, are walking on this earth free. Yep. So that's what I mean. It's it's well. How does that tragic. feel as it's, a man? Terrible, terrible, and right, and so like in you know, so if it's ten percent of men or twenty percent of men, it's and so like as a guy, I think you just and I've talked about this whether we talk about racism or we talk about you know masculinity. It's like it's easy to get defensive, yeah, because you're just like I want to be one of the good guys, but as opposed to just immediately assuming, yeah, that you've never done anything wrong. I think it's always good to just ask the questions of like, how could I have done better in any given situation? Right. It's just like, and sometimes, you know, you're just, you're, do I pay attention? Do I ask the questions? Right. Do I, yeah. And you're like, you know, you've never traumatized a woman or put them in a hurt in a situation, but you just try to ask more questions and, right. and make them feel comfortable. I mean, but it's easy because you just don't want to get labeled as like, no. there's a lot of, and that's the thing right now in this world, we, we, a lot of generalizing, labeling right? Everybody. Labeling everything, everything, everyone, putting everyone into a box. Yep. And then, you know, a man and I have talked about this. What's very frustrating is it seems like we're getting into a place where 
people forget that two things can be true at the same time. Right. You know, uh, it, it, the world's nuanced. It's gray. It's not black and yeah. white, but it's just so like, uh, you know, a guy did this to me. All men are bad. And, and yeah. so then guys will get defensive. There's just because of this war. It's and inevitable. it's just a lot of doing your part. How can you? So what's your ally? part is my question to you. For me? I'm curious. I'm, I don't get an opportunity. I talk to a lot of women. Yeah. I do a lot of women's podcasts. It just I have a chance to talk to a, a, a good guy, a good man. And my question is, when you hear about your friends, right? Yeah. Astonishing amount of women have had some kind of sexual impropriety done to their body, right? Me teaching for 20 years, astonishing number of women have had some kind of recovery. They have to, because something's happened to their body, as, a as kids in, in, caused by men. As a man that's probably not done it most, you haven't done anything awful to a woman's body, how do you, how do we solve the man problem? I think it's a lot of- Wanted to ask this forever. I mean, it's it's a lot of things. I mean, if I'm just guessing and yeah. I'm not an expert. It, there's a religious element, there's an inappropriate, like in, in, in like sex education. Mm -hmm. I think we just, this kind of Puritan culture is we pretend that we mm -hmm. shouldn't talk. Like, I mean, this, the story you told about your daughter when she was eating, I think that's the stuff that doesn't happen a lot. Right. Right. Uh, in terms of just having an honest conversation with your young child about real honest things that they're going to experience and whether that's sex and whether that's, yeah. You know, eating habits and not having shame is, is, I think we just have to have more conversations about it. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, young men need to watch Promising Young Woman and, and say this happens and not pretend that it doesn't. Right. I think sometimes we, we want right. to we we watch these movies or documentaries and, and pretend it's an isolated small group of people and maybe it's small relative to like the overall society yeah, but, but clearly I, too many yeah because you and i yeah. almost all the women we know have had some kind of sexual offense and it's just like 10 percent of men are doing that uh, exactly i it does i don't i don't know what the number is I'm but it's shocking how many and again like i know how yeah you know, where does it start i mean I, it's a i don't think we're going to solve this problem no but i'm so curious minutes, but it's hear... uh, i think i listen i, I grew up in a very welcoming family yeah. and i had a mother who had her own experiences right and yeah. so it was you know what her she you know she had six boys and and in talking to her boys about treating women was you know something we were taught since i can remember right before puberty in terms of you know respecting your first it was respecting your sisters were you know and 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 it wasn't necessarily about chivalry it was just about you know that just respect right. and i don't know and my dad uh you know in terms of how he treated my mother right yeah. and i think you know you we watch her and it's a cyclical right you know and absolutely and i don't so this has been going on for years in terms yeah. of you watch our young men might watch their fathers treat their mothers a certain way and think yeah. that's how they should treat you know women um you know porn, porn's yeah. a problem in terms you know, it's, so there's a lot of things out there. Oh, I think you're there. absolutely right. It is, um, it, is a it is an issue. And uh, in terms of, but also it's just having conversations. Uh, young young dating couples talking about sex yeah. before they, like most people go in and have sex before they've ever discussed sex. Right. You know, they don't talk about what they like or their interests or what their kinks are or what makes them feel safe or unsafe. There it is, have a couple beers. And be like, let's take our clothes off, yeah, you know, yeah, and it, yeah. you're, you're going to get a lot of things wrong. Yeah. Not necessarily in an unsafe situation. Right. 
But even that, like, we're just not talking about sex enough and making it feel like it's a safe space, you know? And like a lot of what your documentary talked about is just, talk, you know, you're getting a lot of women, yeah. not young women, women for the first time being open about yep. their bodies and sex in ways they've never before. And that's crazy when you're talking about 30, 40 year old, 50 year old women. Their whole life, they just were like, I'm not, I can't talk about it. I don't want to be a lady. It's you know? crazy. It's um, absolutely crazy. So I think it, you're just not having conversations. Mm-hmm. And in another, you know, on a deeper issue, that's where I get a little worried about the world sometimes is that, uh, like, I, I believe in accountability and we a lot of call, talk conversations about cancer culture, but like, people will always, you got to make sure the conversations are happening out in the public for people to hear. Yeah. Because, People are, if they're not talking about, they're still going to wonder about it. They're still going to be curious. They're still going to have their own thoughts and and thoughts that aren't communicated often can get dark. So we need to allow a safe space for people to talk about whatever's going on up in here, whether it's through therapy or with each other. And I don't know, I'm rambling. No, no, but but. it's good because I'm just curious. And because I've heard it before. I did a TED talk in 2012 and I heard that men were threatened by it and pissed off and then uh, and then i heard about the documentary that men also get their hackles up about the documentary and about the women who've had so many uh, affronts so i just wanted to kind of and i can see that you were also thinking about this and aware of this and it's like because you're right nobody's talking everything we're talking about goes back to one thing and that is what we talked about earlier is that each the is we each need to know who we are and what we want yeah i mean and i you know i i I have S factor and I've developed S factor for women. And there are a few places where men can actually go and have a, you know, a collective of the masculine to understand and learn how to be in a tribe of masculine energy. Where that it used to, we used to have that more indigenous, you know, when we lived in the more indigenous tribal uh, communities, right? Where young men would go do vision quests, young women would have their own moon time quest and, there was much more development of who we were as masculine feminine creatures and now there's so little of that and it's not accessible it's not easily accessible you have to really look to find s factor or to find um like michael holt's company that the guy that i used to with his three men in in the documentary it's very challenging like why is this not something that is like um as popular as amazon i mean God, I, to me, this is like the, the the nectar of life. Sexuality, interpersonal relationships, communication, connection, eroticism. And yet you have to hunt to really find it. You, you do. I, well, I think it was it last time last week I used the analogy where just like you know, people go through puberty, start having sex. And it's like we're a bunch of we're just race cars. We're these souped up so big edge in race cars with absolutely no training or experience. Exactly. We just get in the cars, put our foot on the gas and hope we don't crash. But like we, we crash all the time and we're uh, crashing into each other. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then I'm, um, then I'm, and then I'm sitting in a circle of women who are all crying or upset because they've been crashed into. Yeah. And, and that's, that's it. It's so simple. You guys. I mean, something so natural and so beautiful is sexuality. You're, it's such a great analogy, the race car thing. Um, because we don't, nobody says how or why, where, when, what. They're just like, just don't get in the race car. It's the only way not to crash. You're like, but it's so fun. Like, I, don't get in the race car. I feel like you car. could show me how to put on a seatbelt. Like, no, just don't get in the race so, car. Don't yeah, get in the no. race car. Belts, don't get in know. the race car is what women hear. Shut yourself, shut it yeah. down. Shut, shut your race car down. So women are, we're, we're in our race car like this. 
No, 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 my race. And, and guys are like in their race car out here because the world is okay with masculine sexuality. Um, and then those race cars crash into our race cars and we're just like a mess instead of like together like that. So tap into your sexuality, be more empowered, get to know who you are, and then look for your partner and, and, and anyone intimidated by you, just keep on looking. Bye-bye. Yeah. Anybody into as yeah exactly know who you are know who you are as an erotic body yeah know your body know how your body wants to be touched know how she wants to move know all the different ways she can move to bring you pleasure because how many times if how many times have women just told me and you guys don't know the answer to this so many times so they just told me they just lay there. They just lay there, the guy gets in, on, da, 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 da. and it's Horrifying. like, no, girl, you gotta move. Let me show you how to move. Let me show you how to get on top. Let me show you how to move your body into pleasure. It's a, it's like a lock and a key. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could just talk about this forever, but I probably have to let you go. Probably. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was great. Uh, can you let the audience know where they can consume more of your wonderful content and, and if they are interested in learning more about S class and, and pole dancing where they could find it, sign up, take a class. Absolutely. So um, if you watch the documentary, I did a six month journey, right? The documentary travels six months with this group of women. I'm actually going to do that six month journey, September, October, November, December, January, February. So I'm going to take women virtually through the same journey. Uh, you can come and get on the wait list for that at sfactor.com. And, or you can come and read my blog at sheilakelly.com. But where I spend a lot of time is on my Instagram is Sheila Kelly S. So it's at Sheila Kelly S awesome. on Instagram. Great. Well, I really appreciate it. It's been a ton of fun. So fun. Uh, thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you found this interesting, helpful. Uh, make sure to follow Sheila. Check out uh, the documentary Strip Down, Rise Up on Netflix. It's really great. And uh, yeah, uh, other than that, send your questions at asknickacastme.com, cast with a K. And if there's nothing else, we'll see you back on Monday. Bye.